0: From the heart of Silicon Valley in the beautiful San Francisco Bay Area, I am Sudipto Chatterjee and this is Economically Speaking with Atanu De. On Economically Speaking, we talk about economic topics and how they affect our world. Welcome back, Atanu. We have been uh, on a break for a while, but uh, glad that you could join us again. Good to be back. So what's on your mind today? oh um so i was recently reading about our statement that you featured on your blog as well by mr kaju who said that you know if we can put more people back to work if we reduce the price of everything around us then people can uh, you know spend more things buy more things and the economy churns forward okay. so that that sort of you know um, as as somebody who hosts this economically speaking podcast, it sort of rang a few alarm bells in my head, but I want to make sure that uh, the, the fire alarms are correct in my head. Okay. So, so what's
1: your take on that? Uh, yeah. To uh, make uh, be very clear about what Mr. Kachu was saying is Mr. Kachu says that if we reduce prices then uh, he says something like people will be able to buy more stuff. And if people are able to buy more stuff then it will employ more people to make this stuff and therefore uh, there will be full employment. Hmm. So my position on this is uh, total mystification. First First point that I'd like to bring up is this obsession with employment. Most people are not really in it for the employment. They are in it for an income. So it doesn't matter whether a person is employed or not, what we should be uh, interested in is income. And income is always a part of the production that an economy produces.
0: So Atunu, go on. Um, I I see the point that, yes, if everybody had money and had a steady flow of money, which which we are defining as income, then it doesn't matter whether you're employed or not.
1: Yeah, that is right. But more importantly, I think we should be very careful in using the word money. Okay. It's not whether you have money or not. It is important to understand that money is just a token or a means of exchange. Now, behind that, behind the token, in the background, on the reality in the ground, there has to be stuff. Okay. So the amount of stuff matters. How much stuff there is matters because if there is a lot of stuff, then you can consume that. You can give it out as income to people. That is, if you consider a very simple scenario, that is abstracting from the real world, suppose there are 100 units of something. Let's say there are 100 widgets. Okay. And these 100 widgets, this economy just produces 100 widgets in a year. And if there are 10 people who are in the economy producing widgets, then on average, their income is 10 widgets apiece. So that's their income. That's their purchasing power. Hmm. If the number of widgets produced go up to 200 from 100, then each of these 10 people will on average be able to get 20 widgets as their income. So hmm. income is the same as production, which is the same as what is uh, uh, what we would call purchasing power. What you can purchase has to be first produced by somebody. And overall, on the aggregate, we produce our goods and services and we consume them. So income is just a way of saying that if it was uh, absolutely equally divided, then then you just do an arithmetic division. But in most cases, what happens is some people get more of the production, some people get less. And in some sense, the amount of production that you get yourself is the amount of production that you are in some sense, uh, responsible for. If you have produced a lot, then you get to take home a lot. And that's how it is. Now the problem with Mr. Kaju is he says that let's reduce the prices. Reducing prices of something does not in any sense increase the amount of stuff available. That's the fundamental mistake. Right. And why is it that reducing prices does not increase the amount of production? So let's take a very simple example, right? If, suppose you are uh, a person who produces and sells pizzas. Mm -hmm. Now you sell it at 10 bucks because you find that you meet your costs and you make your reasonable profit. Suppose it costs you eight bucks to make the pizza and you sell it in the market. That is, people are willing to pay you 10 bucks for the pizza. So you... It costs you eight bucks to produce. You sell it at ten, and therefore you make a profit of two dollars for pizza. Hmm. Now, if I come around and I say that, listen, uh, ten dollars—not many people can afford it. We'll pr- reduce the price of pizza to seven bucks, so more people can afford it. But what will happen? Will you be in business, or will you go out of business? You'll go out of business. Yes, absolutely. So the, the amount of pizza produced will actually go down if you reduce the price. Because the producer will not be able to meet his costs and therefore the producer will exit
0: the market. But what if you so, come in and argue that, hey, let's reduce it from 10 to 9, I'm still making a profit, but isn't that prerogative up to me as the entrepreneur who's making stuff?
1: Yeah, very good. It's a good objection. That is, if you... If I come and force you to reduce your price from 10 to 9, it's true that you are still in business because your costs are $8. But what? You're not the only seller in the market. There, 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 there's another seller who was uh, producing it at $9. His cost was $9. Your cost was $8. Somebody else's cost was $9. And by forcing the price to be at $9 now, he is just breaking even, he'll just go out of business, he'll say, what's the point, I'm putting in effort, I'm not going to make any money out of it, so I'll just go away. So, the change in price level, when you force a change in the price level, it always means that some producers will exit the market if the price comes down, and if the price goes up, some producers will enter the market. That's how the market system works. That price is a signal to people to start producing or not to produce, to enter the market or to exit the market. Now, if it was possible to reduce the price of something, and still uh, satisfy the uh, the demand for some uh, that something, then I can, it would be a very magical world. You can say that everybody should have nice, fancy BMW. So we'll just say, okay, from now on, BMW's prices will be at $100. So everyone can afford a BMW.
0: Oh, I want to live there.
1: Yeah, but the point is that world does not exist in reality because the cost of producing a BMW is much more than $100. Right. So by forcing a price uh, price ceiling on it, putting a control over the price, you are going to ensure that, BMWs do not get produced. If the cost of production is way above $100, none will be produced. So the problem with Mr. Kaju's uh, argument is the belief that price is somehow dictated by some centralized authority and that it can be without without any penalty be manipulated by dictate. That it can can be Uh, somebody can be forced to reduce their prices see this reducing your prices is not a sustainable policy it's not a sustainable strategy Mm. it can work for a little bit but in the long run what happens is it leads to shortages because At any particular price, there are a certain number of people who are willing to supply to the market, produce, and then bring it to the marketplace for sale. At that same particular price, there are a certain number of people who are willing to buy. And this price is set to an interaction between the number of people who want to supply to the market and the ones who are willing to buy that supply from the market and that determines the price and that price is called the equilibrium price because at that price the amount supplied is roughly equal to the amount that is being demanded and if the price goes up then the number of people who are willing to buy goes down a little bit right and uh, then uh, the people who are willing to supply goes up a little bit
0: so just to understand and at this point of time Right. The price is like when once you talk of not just one entrepreneur but the market as a whole, you know, yeah. the average price at which a particular widget is being sold at, yeah. that's an outcome of the system working as it should. It is not an input variable into the system.
1: Yes, you're right. So, what happens is there are a lot of producers and there are a lot of consumers and they they have their own preferences. They have their budget. The, uh, the consumer has budgets. When we go to the market, we have a certain amount of money in our pocket and we have preferences. How much do I want of something? So our decision to buy or not buy or how much to buy depends upon what the price is, whether we like it or not, how much we like it, and what our budget is. So that's a bunch of people on, that, on one side, which is the demand side. On the supply side, there are producers who produce this thing, who incur cost in production. And there is a range of uh, costs that different people have. Very efficient producers produce it at a lower cost than less efficient producers. Now, in the interaction on the supply side, depending on what the market price is, the number of producers will produce. They will either enter or exit. And similarly on the demand side, people will enter the market, that is, they will go and buy or not buy. And this is an interaction among the suppliers and consumers, producers and consumers, and the price emerges as a relation as a consequence of their uncoordinated activities, actions in the marketplace. That makes a lot of sense. So it is a price is emerges and when we go to the market, we are all price takers in the sense that we see the price on the produce and we get it and similarly on the uh, supply side producers anticipate a price they say ah next month the price of pizzas will be ten dollars and i can easily make it for eight or nine or whatever but only those who can anticipate that their cost is going to be lower than the price that they anticipate will actually get into the business of making it and if if somebody makes a mistake they think that the price is going to be ten dollars in the market and they they anticipate their cost of production will be say seven dollars mm-hmm. but they make a mistake suppose the mistake is instead of seven their cost is actually eleven mm-hmm. and instead of the anticipated ten dollars a pie they find that they actually the pies are selling for only eight dollars so they made a mistake. So they will run into a loss. They have made buys which they will not be able to sell at a profit. They'll just have to sell it at a loss. And after a month or two of making bad decisions like this, they'll just exit the market. Hmm. So that's how the price system works. The price system tells, instructs people as about what they should be doing in the future. You see, a price is something. It's a signal, a piece of information that you take into account to decide what do you want to do next.
0: Yes, I was about to say that. So, if I mean, as a third party or independent observer, let's say tomorrow I travel to Timbuktu and see that okay, uh, you know, the the price of pizza in this case, let's say, is being sold for ten dollars right now, but as I, I can see in the future, the price is going to be twelve dollars. Yeah. So as a third party, that, that anticipated upward tick in price is a signal to me that the, it's an opportunity for me to go in the market.
1: Yeah, and then you may not be the only person who sees, anticipates an uh, increase in the price and therefore you should enter the business. Mm-hmm. So what happens is not you, only you, but other people also might be making that similar, uh, similar move to go to Timbuktu and open a pizza joint. And so what will happen is, your, uh, you as an entrepreneur decided that you will you will go there and make pizzas, but three other people uh, also made the same decision. So the supply of pizzas have gone up now. And at that amount of supply, the anticipated $12 a pie has actually not, not materialized. It now is $10 a pie. So you thought that you will be able to sell your pies at $12 but it is actually going up at $10 so what happens is in a market system it it is somewhat self-correcting that is the Hmm. price fluctuates depending upon the change in the supply or the change in the demand and that is the magical thing about the market because nobody is dictating the price, but the price is emerging from the amount that is on supply and the amount
0: that is being demanded. So, I have a, I have a question here. So, if you artificially tinker with the market, like, you know, sometimes governments do this. Mm-hmm. Like in India, you cannot sell petrol for more than x rupees. A liter. Mm-hmm. So, doesn't that inversely or conversely affect the whole supply chain in the back? What, what? Yeah,
1: so anytime you make any intervention that distorts the price signal, that is, what the price that would automatically emerge in a market, in a free market, suppose you were to put a ceiling on the price or a floor on the price, then It introduces distortions and people respond to the price signals. So if the price is wrong and the wrong price we must understand is a price which the free market an uninterfered market would arrive at. If you put a price other than that free market price, it could lead to two two situations. Either it will lead to a surplus or it will lead to a shortage. And this surplus and shortage will reverberate through the entire economy because the economy is a connected thing. It is is making a large number of uh, products and services. And each of the uh, decision of each producer of these products and services has to depend upon the information about the marketplace, what is available, what is not available. So therefore, what we notice is that if, if there are controls over the price, let's say a rent control or a minimum wage, these are actually instances of someone imposing a price ceiling, which is a rent control, mm-hmm. or a price floor, which is a wage that you cannot pay somebody lower than a certain, certain price. Mm -hmm. and these uh, lead to a lot of inefficiencies and wastages and therefore economies suffer as a consequence what we have been talking about is prices and it's a pretty vast topic to deal with so what we'll do is maybe the next time we can uh, elaborate a little more on this idea of prices
0: yes that will be awesome really looking forward to the next episode Um, thank you so much for your time Atanu.
1: okay thanks Surupta bye Bye.
0: All right, that's it for the week. The music you were listening to in the background was composed by the Italian composer Niccolò Paganini and was performed by Jonathan Vered. The cover photo for this episode is from Flickr.com where it was uploaded by the user MuffinN. We have been recording our sessions so far using Google Hangouts and then we convert the file to mp3 format on convert2mp3.net. The sound mixing and editing is all done using the open source and awesome software Audacity. Connect with us. Leave us a comment on Facebook at facebook.com slash economicallyspeaking. Or you can join the discussion at Twitter by following us. Our Twitter handle is at EconSpeaking. Each week, we chat with Atanu Day on matters generally related to economics. This is Economically Speaking with your host Sudipto Chatterjee. Until next time, goodbye.